as you've traveled through life, have you ever felt like someone was with you? Like somebody else was there by your side, even if he was invisible, you just felt like somebody was there. Let's call that someone the invisible travel companion. Uh, Let's pick up where the children left off in the Easter story. Now that same day, two of them, that is followers of Jesus, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus was walking with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Maybe he's been walking with you through your life, but you just haven't recognized him. And my prayer for for you, for each of us this morning, is that you will recognize him, that you would recognize the invisible travel companion that has been by your side all along. Second question I want to ask you is, what is your story? What's the thing in your life that you were hoping for, but it's not turned out the way that you planned? Uh, For how many of you, like me, has life turned out differently than you thought it would? Let me see your hands if that's true for you. Those of you that are older like me, boom, the hand goes right. How many of you, your life in some way has turned out differently uh, than you thought it would? Uh, Those of you online, uh, raise your hand right where you are, in your living room or by your computer or uh, out on the community terrace, raise your hand if things have turned out differently, if you've ever been disappointed in an area of your life. Well, that's true for these two men. Uh, He, Jesus, asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. They were crushed by disappointment. They had not had something happened that they hoped was going to happen. One of them named Cleopas asked him, uh, now he doesn't know, this is Jesus, and he says, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now, uh, when I get to heaven, I want to meet Cleopas. Now, he didn't know he was talking to Jesus, but he basically told Jesus, were you born under a rock? Uh, Have you been living in a cave somewhere? What planet are you from? And are you from a different planet? And Jesus said, well, actually, it's something like that, all right? Uh, do, you, uh, do you not know these things? What things, he asked? I love this. The, the creator of the universe, the one that knows all things, plays dumb. What things? What things are you talking about? About Jesus of Nazareth. They're talking about him, but they don't recognize him, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one. We had hoped that he was the one. Can you identify with that? Maybe there's a person in your life, and you had hoped that he was the one, or she was the one. Maybe there's an event in your life And when that happened, you had hoped that was the one that was finally going to bring you fulfillment and satisfaction in your life. When that thing happened, when you achieved a certain thing, you had hoped that it was the one, or he was the one, or she was the one. We had hoped that he was the one, in their case, that was going to redeem Israel. They had a military, a political hope. 
They had hoped that Jesus was the political leader, the military leader who was going to lead them against the armies of Rome and tear off the chains of tyranny that had held them in bondage. They had hoped that he was the one, and now he's been crucified. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Uh, they had dashed their political hopes, their military hopes, but in their place, God was going to give them a spiritual hope and an eternal hope. And let me just encourage you, if any of your hopes have been disappointed here this morning, Jesus is in the business of taking your disappointments and turning them into his appointments. Something better, uh, something more eternal, something not as short-term, something more lasting. And whatever it is in your life, like these two men that you said, we had hoped that it was the one, he was the one. If you've been disappointed, Jesus is here this morning to meet you and take that disappointment and turn it into a divine appointment. Uh, it is now the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. They didn't see Jesus. They saw their disappointment, but they didn't yet see Jesus. And maybe that's where we're at this morning. We can see our disappointment. We know our disappointment, but we haven't yet seen the Jesus who can take that disappointment, turn it into an appointment for something new and for something better. And now comes the divine confrontation. This is where God confronts us. And this is where Jesus confronts them. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. Um, Jesus wants to confront us this morning. He wants to confront me and say, Glenn, how foolish you are and how slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, who wrote the first book, Genesis, and what they would have had as the Bible back then, we call it the Old Testament, and all the prophets, that came at the end of the Bible that they had, so he would have ended with Malachi. Everything from Genesis to Malachi, all the, what we call the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That was the mother of all Bible studies. I'm telling you, talk about an Old Testament survey. He went from, from Genesis to Malachi and took them through and showed them all the prophecies that were fulfilled in him, hundreds of prophecies fulfilled in the life of Jesus. He was basically saying to these two men, I'm here. The evidence is right in front of you. You just have to be open to it. And he's saying the same thing to us this morning. He says, I'm here. I'm the invisible companion that you sensed was there, and I want to tell you it's real. I'm here. The evidence is right there in front of you. You just have to be open to it. A scientist say that there's just one chance in 10 uh, with 172 zeros after it that life in the universe could have happened by accident. That's the chances that life just happened by accident. He says the evidence, it's here. You just have to be open to it. You know, there are about 2,500 prophecies in the Bible, and 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled. Often, uh, 
uh, hundreds of years, sometimes thousands of years after they were prophesied in complete detail with no errors. It's just unbelievable. There, there's this one prophecy that 2,500 years after it happened, it happened to the very day that the Bible said it would happen. He says, my fingerprints are, are all over this book, 2,500 prophecies. Now, 2,000 have been fulfilled, and there's 500 yet to be fulfilled. And this summer, after we do this six-week series uh, about the great resignations in, in America today and these six big areas of life the pastor Eric was talking about, and before you leave something important in your life, here are some things to consider before you do that. So we're going to do that topical study, and then right after that, for the whole summer, June, July, and August, we're going to be studying the book of Revelation. And we're going to look at some of these 500 prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled. And the thing is, if 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled with complete detail, with no errors, you could have a pretty good shot that those last 500 are going to happen as well. The chances that these 2,500, these 2,000 uh, could have been fulfilled by chance without error is less than 1 in 10 to the 2,000th power. That is one with 2,000 zeros written after it. He says, I'm here. The evidence is right in front of you. You just have to, you just have to be open to it. Now, these guys have the right response. It says in verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. Stick with me, Jesus. I'm going to stick with you. You, you stick with me, uh, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. Jesus, stay with us until our questions are answered. Jesus, stay with us until our doubts are dealt with. Stay with us. I want to bend my life to yours rather than making yours bend towards me. See, what we like to do is create Jesus in our own image. We kind of like to say, Jesus, here's, here's how I want to live. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to believe. Now I'm going to make my own Jesus to fit me. There's a scary word in the Bible called repentance. But all repentance means is just bending our lives to Jesus rather than bending him to us. That's all that means. Um, one night, a ship's captain saw what looked like the lights of another ship heading toward him. He radioed, change your course 10 degrees north. The reply came back, change your course 10 degrees south. The ship's captain answered, I am a captain. Change your course north. The reply came back, I'm a seaman first class. Change your course south. This infuriated the ship's captain, so he radioed, I say, change your course north. I'm on a battleship. To which the reply came back, I say change your course south, I'm in a lighthouse. <laughs> Jesus is that lighthouse. He ain't bending for anybody. He ain't changing course for anybody. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He ain't changing his course. He calls on us to change our course. Stay with us. Show us how we bend to you rather than you bending to us. And then the moment you realize that he's here, verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. 
Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Weren't your heart burning within you? Has something happened this morning? Either through one of the songs or one of the prayers or, or through the scriptures where you feel your heart burning. Pay attention to that. Jesus is whispering to you, I'm here. You're not here by accident. This is a divine appointment. I invited you here so that you could see me maybe for the first time, so that you could recognize me. I have been walking with you. I'm here. Let's get acquainted. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, get halfway through their meal, jump up in the middle of the night, seven miles back, 14 miles altogether. They got their steps in that day. <laughs> they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem and get there in the middle of the night. There they found the 11, that is the 12 disciples minus, minus Judas Iscariot, and those with him assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Would you please give a warm Purpose Church welcome to our own Pastor Eric Vasquez and to Kevin Nickerson, the chaplain of the world champion Los Angeles Rams. What up, Purpose Church? Welcome, Kev. We're so blessed to have you here with us on Easter, man. What a year it's been, huh? Been a great year. Especially for the world champion, LA Rams. Go Rams. Man, put us up on game. Let us know what time it is. You didn't just get here, you know, out of chance. You know, you've been a pretty prolific athlete all your years. Tell us about your journey, man. Where you come from, what you've been up to. Born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. I don't know if anybody's from Missouri here, but I'm born and raised in the best city in the world, Kansas City. Uh, you could tell probably by my draw I'm not from here, but yeah, born and raised in Kansas City, uh, home of the best barbecue. Uh, and uh, yeah, just play sports all my life. Sports kind of saved me, kind of... Um, Gave me a lot of direction, built a lot of character, exposed some things in my life, took me across the world and and gave me a lot of opportunities to to do that. Um, yeah, so I've been balling all my life. Yeah, you played in the NCAA. NCAA. You played pro ball. I heard you're a record holder. Yes, I Tell am. us a little bit about that, man. Uh, so sports can do a lot of things for you, and I was able to earn a, a scholarship to play uh, college football at a Division II school in Warrensburg, Missouri. Uh, Central Missouri State, and I, uh, it still stands, I, I, not I hold, we, there's three of us that hold this, this record of most kicking uh, punt for touchdowns combined, uh, it's a record, and that's, that's a tough thing to do, uh, to score 10 touchdowns when basically it's 11 on one uh, to do, and so that was a blessing, and then I was able to, to uh, continue my career in the uh, CFL, the Canadian Football League. Man, that's awesome, man. Um, now you're here, right? Yeah, let's give it up for that. 
You're here now. God has led you to this point in your career where you are the chaplain of the world champ Rams. Mm-hmm. What is that like? I think there's a lot of misconceptions around like, what do you actually do for a living? What does that ministry look like? Share with us what you do. Well, it's actually a dream come true uh, to be able to combine my love for, for Jesus and my love for sport. Uh, and I get to, like Pastor, like Pastor, he, he's building up a community, a body of believers. And so that's what we do. Uh, it's just in a smaller setting. So we, we're, we're, I build, I'm helping build the organization. I'm helping, uh, I'm basically building a church there, uh, raising young men and not young men, uh, but men and women to follow Jesus. Man, that's awesome, man. Thank you for your ministry. And I know, you know, you're always around top-level athletes, players, coaches. There's also kind of misconception there. Um, talk to us a little bit about what are some of their needs? How do you see their need for Jesus at that level? Right. Um, I think because their lives are so public and you see, we see them on Sundays and we, in a lot of ways, we idolize these people and we put them on a, on a pedestal. Uh, but the truth is, is that they're just like you and I. Uh, they have a heart and a desire to know God. Uh, they have the same fears, the same anxieties, the same worries, the same victories that we have as a, as a body. And so it's, it can go from how do I lead my, my family to the simple ask of can you teach me how to pray? And so these guys and, and, and even some of the, the ladies in our, in our organization, uh, they're just like us. Uh, they're just more high profile, yeah. right? Yeah. Thanks for sharing, shedding light on that, man. Mm-hmm. Being a chaplain isn't all you do. Mm-hmm. You know, we've gotten to rub shoulders in the nonprofit space. You're a founder and a director of a nonprofit organization. What is that? What do you do there? Share, share a little bit about that Game, with us. Game Breakers Academy, I believe, will be my, my life's work. And I believe that's the call that God has, has placed on me. And that's to build young men to live lives that defy expectations. When you were raised like I was raised in the neighborhood where I, I had a few options, play sports, sell drugs, go to jail. Um, I chose to play sports. And what I what we aim to do and what I aim to do is to raise men to take advantage of opportunities uh, because there's only a few opportunities and we want them to be ready to do that, not only physically, but also spiritually and mentally. And so we, we're, we're trying to raise the total uh, young person. Yeah, yeah. So you guys can check them out online, see what they're doing. They're doing great work. And uh, the Pomona connection is happening, baby. Sure. We're bringing him out to Pomona and my nonprofit and his nonprofit. And shameless plug here, uh, the real G High, Ganesha is bringing Kev Nickerson to run a skills camp this summer. Um, I coach high, high school varsity basketball there, and, and you're doing us that, that favor to come out and work with us. Tell us how you actually develop young men. I know you have like a four-prong approach or something like that. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's uh, really three. It's, uh, it's the, that's okay, that's okay. Uh, but uh, we all, I believe that we have to start at the ground level, which is our spirit man, our spirit person. And so we want to make sure that young people are, are understand that our faith is, is critical to our success in anything that we do. Uh, and then 
uh, mentally, we want them to be educated, not just in the books, but we also want them to be aware of what's happening in the world. We don't want them to walk around with blinders. I want them to be able to see so they can actually make change. And then uh, the physical thing, you know, everybody wants to be big, strong, fast. And so we want to help them be uh, really good at their sport uh, because we also know that that is a way for upward mobility for especially people in underserved communities and things like that. So that's our three-pronged awesome. approach. And Purpose, Purpose Church can get involved with that. Reach out to us um, and we'll get you plugged in once the date gets locked in for the summer. And we need people making cookies, cutting oranges, bringing water, you name it, man. They're going to work. They're going to yeah. work. And it's not a basketball camp. It's no, a football camp. It's a football camp. Yeah, I'm a yeah. I'm First year that Ganesha beat Pomona High in many, That's many right. years. So. That's right. And we want to give them a competitive edge yeah. and so they can continue that trend. Yeah, good. G high, G high. Yeah. All right, man, the pinnacle here, what we're going to kind of end strong with is the Super Bowl. Everybody wants to know about the Super Bowl, right? What was that like, man, preparing for the Super Bowl? I bet you there were so many cool components of that. Take us home with Super Bowl stories, I man. Tell, I tell people all the time, I don't, because everybody says, are you ready for the Super Bowl? I don't have to play, so yes, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I don't have to do anything. Uh, but, but the truth is, um, I've been fortunate as a chaplain to, to go to two Super Bowls in five years. And the first one was not as wild as it was this year, because we played against the GOAT. And I had all confidence that we would win, uh, but you run into Tom Brady, uh, you know, there's always a 50-50 chance. Uh, <laughs> but um, really my greatest highlight was, number one, seeing my, knowing that my mother and my wife would get to go and see the halftime shows of all halftime shows with little Snoop Dogg and, and Dr. Dre and all of those guys. Uh, but it was really preparing my message um, for the young men and their families as they prepare for battle uh, on that Sunday. And this, this, this past season, we went through uh, the wilderness journey because I believe we all have uh, a wilderness, right? And, and the wilderness has this, this really bad uh, thing where it's like, oh, you're just gonna, you're going there to die, but really God is really taking us there to shape us and develop us and show us who, who God wants us to be. And so it was really exciting for me to be able to, to really culminate the season in Jericho where 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 the people of God took the land and it was they were you know it was smooth sailing from there and so it was really cool to be able to do that that was really my highlight I'm sorry it wasn't like going to the game and you know the confetti and doing the, the snow angels and all of that it was really as a pastor preparing my message amen. to minister to those guys amen and and you got this famous text I mean once I heard the story I was like bro we got to tell that on Easter Sunday, all right. Aaron Donald, uh -huh. I mean, the beast of all beasts, this the guy beast. straight single-handedly won us the chip, but, yes. uh, the ship, but what, what was that text, you know, talk to us about, you know, the back and forth a little bit there. Yeah, well, so AD is one of my favorite players, he's an amazing guy, I love him, I love him and his family, uh, and he doesn't text very often, he, he's not a guy of many words, he, when he speaks, it's with power and it's with purpose. And so he, I received a text from him a Saturday, after, a Saturday evening around 9 p.m. And it was a, a video. It, it started with the video from, um, it, it was, if you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. And I've seen it before. Eric Thomas, the hip-hop preacher, I've seen it before. Uh, but then what happened, he sent me a message following it. 
And it was it was just powerful to me. And it, it was hopeful. And basically, I want to read it for you guys. I, I'm going to let you into my world. I'm sorry. I'm trying, I can't get my code together right here. I'm nervous. I'm nervous up here with you. I'm like, oh, man, let me let me make sure I get it right because I don't want to mess it up because I don't want AD to, to get after me. Uh, uh, but he said this, and it's very, again, very man of few words, but this is what he said. He said, I want this so bad, Kev. I work so hard, sacrifice so much. I can't be denied. I got to find a way. We're going to be world champs. And when I read that text message, I flipped my phone over, and I was like, oh, we're going to be world champs. <laughs> we're going to hoist that Lombardi. And uh, that was one of the, it was a, a special moment to know that Aaron would invite me into like what he's feeling and what he's experiencing and, and the desire and the drive that he had to win uh, the Super Bowl. Man, what a great story. Purpose Church, can we just give it up for Kevin Nickerson, L.A. Rams. We're going to be praying for you, brother. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't you rather be chaplain for the Green Bay Packers, you know, if you had a trether? I just can't. I know, I know, I know, I know. I was so rude. He was so polite. We met with each other to kind of talk about what his interview would be. And uh, I realized I had my Packers mug there the, the whole time. And all of a sudden at the end, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He goes, yeah, I saw that the whole time, you know. And so uh, you know, I love this picture right here. Uh, I read this past week that Aaron Donald was pressuring the Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow, on that final play uh, 2.2 seconds after the ball was snapped. We're talking the ball is snapped, 1,001, 1,002, boom. Aaron Donald has got his hands uh, on the quarterback. Poor Joe never had a chance. He never had a chance. And Aaron Donald said in that text to Kevin on the eve of the Super Bowl that he would do anything in his power to lead the Rams to a championship. And Jesus said on the cross that he would do anything in his power to lead you home to heaven. He said, I'll do anything. That's what kept him up there. He could have he um, got off at any moment. Uh, had the power, uh, Pastor Lisa preached on this uh, uh, at the Good Friday service, 72,000 angels at his disposal. He could have said, sick him, you know, and gotten him off that cross. But he stayed there because he would do anything in his power to lead you home. He did his part, and now it's up to us to do our part, which leads to the decision of a lifetime. Right now in front of us, we have the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire lifetime. Anybody that's ever lived anywhere in the universe for, for all the years, the greatest decision is this. What will you do with Jesus? Let's just go back a couple of days. We were on Easter Sunday. Let's go back a couple of days uh, to the chapter before Luke 23, where it's what we call Friday that turned out to be Good Friday. Two other men, okay, these two men represent the two choices in front of us, the two options that every person has. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And these two men crucified on either side of Jesus, they represent the two options 
that are in front of all of us. Jesus looks out at the people that were taunting him, torturing him, executing him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're, what they're doing. Skipping down to verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. So one of them rejected Jesus. And Jesus gives us that opportunity. He gives us free will. He gives us a choice. We can choose to follow him or reject him. He's given us that choice. And this man chooses to reject Jesus and to spend eternity in hell as a result. But the other criminal had a change of mind. He, he went a different direction. One, one of the other Gospels tells us, I think it's Matthew, that, that he started out to do the same thing against Jesus. But, but he, he had a change of heart. You see, he thought to himself, how could Jesus ever forgive somebody like me? I mean, he had lived a mess of a life, and he was about to die a mess of a death. So he thinks, how can somebody like Jesus ever forgive me? But in that moment when he saw Jesus, look at the people that were torturing him and executing him, and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In that moment, he thought to himself, if Jesus can forgive them, maybe he can forgive me as well. And so he rebuked the other criminal. He said, don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. He owns up to what's wrong in his life. We're getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then in simple faith, he turns to Jesus in the last moments of his life. And he says, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus, would you be my king? Jesus, would you be my Lord? And for that simple request of faith, Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And you can make the same decision right here, right now. I don't believe that you're here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. You're not watching online by accident. You're not out in the community terrace by accident. This is a divine appointment. This is your moment, your moment of decision, Easter 2022. Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Let's just bow our heads before the Lord in prayer, maybe close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's just kind of keep this between us and God. And if you would like to make that same decision to follow Jesus, for Him to forgive you, for Him to be your Lord, your leader, your King, right on into eternity in heaven forever, would you just simply whisper these three words, Jesus is Lord. Just whisper those to Him just between you and God, nobody else, just say to him right now, Jesus is Lord. Those three words, just say them to him. Jesus is Lord.
And if you just pray that prayer, I want to pray for you right now. And so I'm going to ask you, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just said, Jesus is Lord, I'm not going to ask you to do anything else beyond that. Okay, the next step is, is up to you and God after that. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But just again, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just slip up your hand right now to just acknowledge that you just prayed that prayer? That'll just make it tangible. Okay, I see those all over. Oh my goodness, I see it all over the worship. Just slip up your hands. Just slip up your hand. Okay, I see you all over. That's a wonderful thing. Praise God. Just slip up. Slipping up your hand is just a way of, of acknowledging that you did that so that I can pray for you. How about just down on the main floor? I want to give you one more chance. On the main floor, anybody just slip up your hands. Okay, okay. I see good. Good, good, good. Yes, yes, I see that. Thank you. Uh, how about in the balcony on my left, on your right hand side? Anybody want to just slip up their hand? I just want to make sure I include you in this prayer. Okay, I see you there. I see you on the left. My left, your right. How about in the middle of the balcony? Anybody want to slip up their hand? Just in the middle section. Just slip it up. Okay, okay, got it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then on my right, on, on your left, just slip up your hand if you prayed that prayer, just so I can pray for you. Okay, I see that. Yes. Anybody else? Okay, yes. And just one, one more chance for anybody anywhere in the worship center, if you just want to slip up your hand, just say, Glenn, I just want to acknowledge that I've made, I prayed that prayer. I made this decision. Would you pray for me? Lord, right now, I pray for each person. Uh, if you're online, would you raise your hand right now? Maybe put it in, into the chat. Um, the same on the community terrace. Just slip up your hand on the community terrace. And right now, Lord, for each person that, that prayed that prayer, um, they are now claiming the promise of, of that verse I just read. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, you did your part. Jesus is Lord. Now God does his part and fulfills that promise that you will be saved. And I pray for each person that, that prayed that, that they will know what the next step is. Tell them what the next step is, Lord. Would you reveal that to them? Maybe it's to join a group, a Bible study group, a life group here, at a rooted group here at, at Purpose. Uh, um, maybe it's just to be back here next Sunday to continue to study God's Word and to, and to worship Him. Uh, maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe today, what a great day to be baptized. Um, you, you don't have to be prepared for it. You just... Uh, you just walk outside and, and we'll baptize you. Just like happened in the Bible. People just on the spot got baptized. We've got a change of clothes for you. We've got everything you need, a changing area. Maybe that's the next step. And, and, and Jesus says, I want you to go public with your decision by, by being baptized. Maybe it's to start reading the Bible. Uh, I don't know what it is, but Lord, I pray for each person here. Would you show them what that next step is? is. And thank you so much. Thank you so much that um, they have made that decision. And now thank you that you are faithful. You are faithful, God, and you always fulfill your promises to us as you walk with us through our lives.
And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed with me said out loud together, amen. And one more time out loud together, and amen. Let's stand together and let's worship for a few minutes before we're done.